Welcome to Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Texas. Harris County, am I losing my direction? Good morning, Texas. Good morning, United States of America. And of course, good morning to the world. We are going to have, folks, a great show for you today because once again we have a live guest and we have some stories to talk about but because this is your show remember you can always change the direction but before we get started i trust that you had a wonderful weekend i had a good workful weekend i had good news over the weekend politically in harris county noting that people are going to be held accountable we think and of course before i get started with all of that i'd like to pass it on to our two geniuses in the middle of the KPFT 90.1 studio in Houston, Texas. Good morning, geniuses. And good morning, Zanzibar. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> We're greeting the world. Zanzibar needs a good greeting, too. Well, okay. uh, everything was uh, going pretty well. We got the tin cans and string. Something happened with Arnie Arneson this morning. It just cut off. I don't know why. I've got to figure that out later on. We uh -huh. also had our town hall meeting on Saturday. Very interesting. Uh, now, interesting what's ideas. the highlights? Any highlights for that you can put on air? Because you know what? I were I had three Zoom meetings yesterday. It was crazy. I mean, on Saturday it was crazy. Oh boy! You see, you had all three computers set up on different Zoom meetings. Yeah, it was crazy, just, man. Just minimize them. No, it was one now, after the other. One after the other. Well, the, the town hall meeting went pretty well. It was well organized. Mm -hmm. We want to thank, thank Susan Young for that. Uh, mm -hmm. Teresa came out. Uh, Teresa Allen came out and uh, mm -hmm. invited folks to reach out to dropouts or reach out to lapsed donors. Mm -hmm. Had some interesting comments from Rob Lee, our, one of our board members. New board member, uh, Cheryl Lynn, mm -hmm. had some interesting uh, thoughts to, to share with us. Also, Tori Mercer was there. Love our Tori. good friend, Tori Mercer. Yeah, oh, yeah, and his comments were right along the lines of what we've really been wanting to do is get us out there in the public, get us out there mm -hmm. visible and right. do remotes. Have And like we were doing at uh, the Black Hole Coffee, we need to do some more of those. Well, whenever so, you're ready, I'm ready, bud. Oh, well, yeah, the, the 10 Kansas Street, we actually broadcast that thing on HD2. So we had it out to the public. I don't know if nice. anybody listened to it or not, but it was very well, it's it was there. A good meeting. It's yeah, there. well, good. It, that, that's great to know, man. That's great to know. How's Brother Jack doing? I'm doing pretty good this morning, uh, Egberto. I got a. Uh, I'm going to do the the oligarchs pledge again. <clears throat> Let's me. hear that. Okay, as the corporation replaces the flags, the pledge of allegiance changes too. This is the oligarchs pledge. I pledge allegiance to the corporations of the United Empire of America and to the economy for which it enslaves all peoples, demonizes and devalues them, passes the profit to the elite 1% with punishment and tyranny for the poor. Slackers. I pledge allegiance to General Motors, Kraft, <laughs> Goldman Sachs, <laughs> all those clowns. Oh, man, like you guys, like you know, oh. after we get into some politics, man, that that Supreme Court uh, more versus the U.S. is going to be nice because, yeah. I mean, uh, it, you, you, did you read that one, Jack? More versus yes, I mean, I I, I, 
Yes, I want to talk about that baby, but we have brother, the one and only, the president of Indivisible Houston with us to hear, uh, here with us, Daniel J. Cohen. Uh, we, uh, we went ahead and got this. I mean, uh, he's one of the great organizers and, and uh, activists here in town. So every time we have an issue, uh, I like to bring him on that kind of makes it available to everybody else. So anyway, Daniel J. Cohen, president of Indivisible Houston. How are you doing this morning, my brother? Doing great. Um, I'm, I'm here with you on the show. I'm, I'm uh, hearing the new Pledge of Allegiance for the first time. So this is a, it's a magical Monday morning, bright and early. It's, Let's do this thing. It's a magical, well, any, look, you have Jack driving in, you know, an hour from uh, near Galveston coming into here. He always have great words. He has a lot of time to think on that drive, man, you know? So, <laughs> you know, we're just happy to have Brother Jack in the house with all his good wisdom as well. But anyway, let me, let's first start here. Organically, people have been really talking about the issue of our district attorney and the values that uh, she seemed to not have represented appropriately for the county she has served. That's my start. Why don't you tell me a little bit of background and then what occurred over the last two weeks? Boy, a little bit of background. All right, I'll keep it as summarized as I can. So pretty much since around 2018, 2019, which is a couple years after the district attorney entered office, uh, she has been butting heads with different organizations. So when I say that, I'll just run it down quickly. Precinct chairs, precinct captains, activists, every criminal justice organization in the county that's that's uh, adjacent to Democratic Party values, LGBT uh, political caucus, uh, immigrants rights organizations, pretty much you name it, and she's butted heads with them. And it's not just the people who are in grassroots. It's not just the nonprofits and C3s and C4s, but it's also the elected officials out there uh, who are the major leaders of the Democratic Party. Uh, so this is a long time coming. Uh, as, as good as any organizer is, we're not magicians. You can't suddenly get everybody mad at someone or something like that and like manufacture a process. It has to be organic to some degree. And uh, this has absolutely been organic. Um, what's happened over the last few weeks is, well, let's go back a little further, right? Late September, a story dropped in the Chronicle that detailed specifically the way that the district attorney weaponizes her office it goes far beyond what the law requires whenever it benefits her politically let me let me stop you right there i need to stop yes, you right sir. here because all our audience are not as politically savvy as you are so explain sure. what weaponization of an office means so basically it's when people who disagree with you when you when you have an opportunity to launch charges against people who disagree with you you not only launch those charges but you you go further uh than the law requires and you prosecute them harder than you would people who agree with you and i can give very clear details of two Please up and do. down cases so the district attorney claims to support misdemeanor cash bail reform she absolutely does not Whenever people say misdemeanor cash bail reform in this county, what they are talking about is the O'Donnell settlement. The University of Pennsylvania has released a study saying that the O'Donnell settlement has been extremely effective at reducing recidivism, reducing the amount of jail time people have, reducing cost to the taxpayer with no impact on public safety. If any impact, it's actually slightly positive, but there's no significant impact, statistically speaking. So what you're saying is that, uh, you know, when it comes to bail, just locking people up without bail 
as opposed to letting them out on their recognizance if they are not violent offenders, it turns out that it, th th what we've been hearing on TV by the news media trying to get us fearful about these judges letting people out uh, without bail, it has negative – I mean, the negative consequences that they're speaking about isn't really so. In fact, if you let out somebody that hasn't been tried yet, that isn't violent, they can still go to work. They can still take care of their families. They can still do all these things while they work, work – they wait. I mean, what happens a lot of times, Daniel, is people just talk about the bond issue, but they don't talk about what happens to real people as they interface with the – criminal justice system. I just wanted to clarify that a bit. Please continue, sir. No, you're absolutely right. It's worse for, look, misdemeanor cash bail reform, the O'Donnell settlement is good for public safety. It's good for taxpayer dollars and it keeps people safer. The DA's reports have scapegoated this system, uh, this, this position. They've been shredded by actual attorneys. They've been shredded by former prosecutors from her office in droves, and they've been shredded by editorial boards. Uh, major editorial boards, including the Chronicle editorial board. It's all a lie. Uh, she's completely fabricated it. Only the DA and the Houston Police Officers Union agree on that issue. And that's why it's a, it's such a key sticking issue, because uh, that's the thing that that's where she has to defend her turf and play to the Crime Stoppers crowd. And even Crime Stoppers, by the way, has said misdemeanor cash bail reform is a positive development. Now, they speak they speak in a very uh, a gray way about some of the details of it, but they have admitted as much. So that is the key issue upon which there's there's disagreement. Now, here's where the weaponization comes. Yes. Uh, but before you go with the weaponization, I want to clarify something for our audience as well. Many times people ask, why, why would she be doing that? Why would this she and let's say the media and others be trying to tell you how bad it is to let people out on your recognizance and somehow they become killers when they go out? It's because there is an industry that depends on pilfering people in jail so that they make a profit on human beings. It's a form of, uh, I call it another form of not so antiseptic slavery, but continue, please, my friend. You're absolutely right. The bail bond industry is something you can do a whole show on. These And these folks are extremely dirty. Uh, they put payment plans together. So you need to, they need to raise 10% of bond to be able to put things out, but they'll often front their own clients, the 10% to begin with. So the whole thing is a racket. It's all dirty to begin with. Michael Kubosh is tied into the bail industry here in, in, in uh, local Harris, Harris County politics, sat on the city council. One of the biggest bail bond insurers in the whole country is right here in Harris County. One of the top 10 in the entire world is right here in Harris County. And a lot of times, just as they do in other corporations, just as they do in the rest of big insurance, they're able to slide away if somebody doesn't pay off their bond. They know how to stack the deck. They know how to make sure to hedge their bets. And these are the people, in fact, some of these folks have been giving money to the district attorney and to other politicians. So that's it. There is a money trail. I'm glad that you brought that up. Let's talk about the double standard, though, because I think that this is really important. So let's let's pick two cases so that we can put them side by side. Commissioner Rodney Ellis, the district attorney, uh, uh, goes at, uh, takes him to the grand jury over allegedly using funds to uh, misusing funds when it came to an African art exhibit. This is a juicy story for any of the racists out there because they get to point at it and say that a uh, local black elected official is misusing funds related to African art, right? So this is, this is something that they can weaponize very easily in the press. All the details leaked to the press. So that's a very clear sign that she was going pretty hard in the, uh, 
after the commissioner. And in fact, in many cases, she will leak these details to the press. That's a very clear sign of weaponization. Now, once the verdict came down from the the uh, grand, jury, grand jury, it was a, it was a no bill. Now, no bill means we didn't find anything. We don't need to indict anyone. That's the end of the ball game, etc. Even if someone is billed and indicted, it doesn't mean that they're guilty, to be clear. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it does mean if there's no bill, it means that there's no reason to even see whether or not they're guilty or innocent. Usually the district attorney, when issuing a no bill, puts a one sentence statement out that says, that's it. Ball game's over. We're going to keep moving on. If you look at the two no bills of the officers who, who murdered Jalen Randall, then you will find that the statement is very clear that, you know, we, we presented the evidence, nothing happened and we're moving on. There's no, she, there was no belly aching. There was no, there was no, uh, uh, you know, outrage at the injustice of the system. She just put a very clear no bill together. I need uh, to stop you right here because you, you just conflated two things. You brought up the incident with Jalen. Let's, let's finish with Rodney Ellis first sure. and say Rodney Ellis went ahead and they, after Rodney Ellis was no build, what occurred? Well, and let's and, and let me let me just say briefly, the reason I did that is to demonstrate that usually a no bill, even in an outrageous situation, in an unjust situation, is just a small mm -hmm. statement from the DA. But in the case of Rodney Ellis's no bill, she made sure to put a two page letter out that alleged civil penalties and sent it in an open letter form to the county attorney of Harris County, Christian Menefee, which is highly irregular. In fact, if you talk to lawyers out there, you don't see a DA ever doing this. This mm -hmm. is just a, it's a unique situation. And she made sure to put that letter out. And the only reason that you do that is because it's politically effective to do it. So that's a situation where she leaked the details to the media. She responded in a regular way to the grand jury, grand jury no bill, um, and did something that's, that's completely unheard of. Now, let me show you another case. There was a constable here in Harris County, and there were women who, who worked for the constable, uh, uh, female deputies, who alleged that he placed them in, and I quote, bachelor party style stings, and that they were exploited in those situations. And these women brought civil suit against this constable. And they said during the civil suit, they, they said when they brought the civil suit, we referred these charges to the district attorney. She referred it back to the constable for internal affairs investigation. Now, <laughs> it's very obvious to me if something similar had been going on at Commissioner Ellis's office or Sylvester Turner's office or Lena Hidalgo's office or any of the judges that she's primaried's office, that she would have gone really hard in the paint, leaked all of the details and released outrageous statements throughout the investigation. If she, if she had even a whiff of allegations that were similar to the ones that were headed toward that constable. But instead, she referred, she not only didn't investigate, she referred it back to the constable for internal affairs. There's another constable another situation where she was in office and this constable also agrees with her on misdemeanor cash bail reform and that he is opposed to it they're on the same side of the issue and he weaponized his office during the day he used his office i should say exploited his office by sending officers out to ask for campaign donations and 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 to hold signs on the clock totally illegal completely illegal. People are very careful about this. If you ask any county public employee, they're very careful about their timesheets and what when they're doing which activities and with which equipment, because it is a big no-no to do that. It was such a bad scandal, he lost his primary under shady circumstances. His campaign funds eventually disappeared and nobody knew where they were funneled or what happened. And no charges were ever brought, ever brought. It was extremely public. The DA could have easily gone after the constable. The DA could have easily leaked all the details of the case. She could have taken it all in front of the grand jury. There were three people later that were fired who, who filed wrongful termination suits against this constable. It's extremely clear that there are people in Harris County 
who could have been prosecuted that she took a pass on who are sitting public elected officials and she went extremely hard after people who are political enemies on much smaller paper level trials all the while complaining that she doesn't have the resources to go after violent crime and paying republicans and former republicans and people who are tight with republicans to do her dirty work now in fact she to- used in fact she used uh, a republican law firm to go after recently whom oh not just a republican law firm let me let me spell it out here the general counsel other words the top lawyer for the texas republican party received hundred seventy five thousand dollars in your hard-earned taxpayer harris county dollars solely to investigate county judge lena hidalgo in spite of the fact that the da has eight public corruption officers on staff she made sure to pay her friend three times the rate of any of these one public corruption officers she has on staff and this friend was the top of the head of the texas republican party's general counsel and to add another wrinkle to it this texas republican party general council member that she hired her husband donated to kim ogg's campaign now if that's not dirty, I don't know what is. And to see all of these, to see all of the, the media coverage of Lena Hidalgo, of, of, uh, of Rodney Ellis, of Mayor Turner, the investigations of Daryl Jordan, the investigations of Franklin Bynum on character issues, and to see them skate on the fact that she has very clearly taken our hard-earned money and outsourced this job to someone who has every political interest in following through on it, is a shame. The media, the media needs to do do a little bit better. They need to make sure that they're covering this story. It needs to be in print. Well, that's why we have. That is why we have independent media. And welcome aboard, Alistair Waters and Eric Hayes. That's why we have independent media. But let's go a little bit further. Yesterday, the DA appeared on Channel Eleven, and and after she appeared on Channel Eleven, she sent out an email blast to everybody uh, to say, "Check out this interview. Check out this interview." Not one question on these particular issues that we are speaking about here, which are more important than absolutely anything they spoke about on the Channel 11 interview. Or, or, I'm oh, sorry, there's they, a chan- on the Channel uh, 13, was it? I think it was Channel... Newsmakers, right? It was Cambrell Marshall. Right, yes. Cambrell Marshall. Says, Not one question. No, he says at the end, you know, we go back 24 years and this was that this it was the biggest puff piece I've ever seen. It was a shame. It wasn't independent at all. And all the lies that she peddled on on that she peddles on misdemeanor cash bail reform. She peddled them on the air. It wasn't challenged. And it was a 10 minute interview. Let's see if Sean Sean Tears running against Kim Ogg. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting at this point. At some point, I'm sure I've interviewed Sean Tears and he will tell you the whole story as is. I mean, uh, so he'll be here uh, sometime next week. Well, the you know, Cambrell ought to give him ten minutes is what I would think if you if you're fair, or at least somebody who's a critic of the or or an advocate or a nonprofit leader, somebody who's been critical of the district attorney to get the other side of the story. Ten minutes of media time, earned media time, cost millions of dollars to attain. You usually pay a PR firm a lot of money to get that. He just gift wrapped it right over to her. Well, ridiculous. And that's why the email went out immediately after the interview. It was packaged and ready to go. When we talk about the mainstream media often being, whether willful or not complicit with the establishment, some some establishment political actors, this is what we're talking about. All right, Daniel, uh, you wanted to contrast uh, how uh, she handles no bills. 
no bills generally for police officers, no bills generally for Republicans are one sentence uh, statements for the Rodney Ellis's. Well, we don't have we don't need to have a no bill for Hidalgo because she wasn't you know placed in front of the grand jury or anything like that. But she always tries to make a big issue out of it. And one of the things that that you would notice with Kimag is they're generally uh, Democrats or minorities. It's almost seems often that she's doing the job of what we see as representations of Republicans. When she went after a voter, she went after a voter that was, I think he was no build after the, 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 uh, the secretary, or rather, after the state attorney general sent him to Montgomery County because he thought it was more favorable. He couldn't get a conviction in Montgomery County, and she brought it here in Harris County, That's really attempting true. to show her bona fides to the Republicans. Hey, guys, I am going after black voters, man. Continue, please. No, that, that's a great case to talk about for a moment. So AUG defenders will say the law requires us to investigate voting irregularities. And that's actually true. But the law doesn't require you to take any evidence before a grand jury. You can just very easily show an investigation and throw it in the trash. And if anybody wants any in information about that and say, well, you know, but that's irregular, who would do that? Every other major Democratic district attorney in, uh, in, for any county in the state of Texas acts that way. Every single other one of them acts differently than Kim Ogg does. She is out on a limb on her own. And in fact, in the case, in the case of Mr. Rogers, Hervis Rogers, uh, she did not inform him that she was presenting information in front of a grand jury one way or another, which is rude. And she, he found out later on that it had been presented and thankfully no build. So he didn't have to go in front of a grand jury or get indicted or catch that as a surprise. So, yes, she does. She does weaponize her office. She does use her office way beyond what the law requires when it benefits her. And she does seem but to go that, after black and Latino people more than white people. People that but that is more that act there, you know, and believe it or not. With all the things that you've that many have come up with, their their a list of articles. The reason that one should hit home to a whole lot of Houstonians is using the other to prove your bona fides to the Republican Party. In other words, that that fit classically with the voter issue, the false voter issue. Republicans would like you to see now. Again, if the attorney, if the state attorney general, who is a criminal himself couldn't get the job done in Montgomery County. Why the hell would she pick it up in Harris County? Please tell me. Because it's, it plays well to her base, which is Republican. There you Look, go. We found, we've discovered throughout this process, and you know, we haven't even gotten to the to what's been going on lately, right? But like, right. So let's talk about that for a moment. In late September, the weaponization, the, the an article came out from the Houston Chronicle, Jen Rice, who's a fair reporter, who, you know, pointed out a lot of this stuff and, and, and just followed the paper trail and what had been happening and presented it, which, of course, you know, angered the DA and angered all of her friends. At that point, that was a trigger for uh, a resolution from the Harris County Democratic Precinct Chairs. I'm the author of that resolution, but I'll tell you this, it was not hard to gather signatures for it because everybody has seen what's been going on over the last six years when it comes to the district attorney and everybody read the September article. And upon reading that article, then they knew exactly what we were talking about. And it was, it was, it's basically calling her 
out for two things. One is weaponizing her office. Two is being out of alignment with Democratic Party values. Now, since then, I just want to briefly say that the Rachel Hooper story about her hiring the top, top Texas Republican general counsel lawyer broke later, as did the fact that she endorsed a Republican for the at-large three city council race, Twilight Carter. So whenever people say that we're being divisive by attacking a Democrat, just keep in mind that we're talking about a Democrat who endorses Republicans and pays taxpayer dollar to Republicans to investigate other Democrats. And that's why it's been such a grassroots uprising, because at every turn, she feeds into the fact that what we're saying is true. We're telling the truth. Everybody can see it. All of her behavior demonstrates it. And in each committee meeting, we see it over and over again. In the resolutions committee meeting where we needed to make sure that this passed, the vote was pretty tight. It was 10 to 9. But the public comment was not tight. It was 27 to 12. And these are some of the most active political activists and organizers and volunteers and staunchest allies of the Democratic Party in all of Harris County who are weighing uh, what in. Did she call, what did she call you activists again? Or what did well, she called, one oh, of she, her reps... Insiders. Not her. Let, let's wait, wait, wait. Let's 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 be accurate. Yeah, sure. Her her proteges. What did her proteges call these folks? Well, they both. She said some bad stuff herself, right? But it, but one of her precinct chairs called us elites, and then she called us insiders and partisan extremists. Meanwhile, she's got four people who are on payroll advocating for her on the call, people who worked at the district attorney's office. And then in the next meeting that this resolution was tested, the steering committee meeting, Senator Carol Alvarado shows up to defend her, whose sister Yolanda Alvarado is on that committee and allegedly works with the DA. So, you know, if, if you want to talk about who's the real insider here, I mean, at every single turn, if I could use the cliche, Every accusation is a confession with this district attorney. When she points her finger and says something, that means that she's doing it every single time. And these people are getting paid six figures during the day and then sometimes 500 a month during the evening to campaign for her. It's a racket. It's clear. It's disgusting. I, it's corrupt. I want to I want to make an offer here as well, too, because we are we are two sided here. We don't only set one side. So this platform is open for everybody on all sides to come. There's only one caveat. We only speak the truth on this channel. And we we also probe on this channel. You're not gonna get it. Uh, folks don't get the kind of interview that we saw on channel 11 where absolutely nothing of consequence was probe. That is why, and, and to the listeners out there, that is why we need independent media. Because again, uh, when you have the media seemingly to be in bed with leading politicians, it doesn't serve the community well. When it, when we speak about Rogers, the voter who uh, came out, went ahead and took in front of the grand jury, that that political gain that she probably did get from Republicans saying, ah, this Democrat will go after Black people at the vote machine, which is probably good for us, that had a material, a psychological effect, not only on Mr. Rogers, but it had a material effect on all people, all black people or Latino people or people of color who had a, somehow a presence with the criminal justice system, just to be sure they're going to think twice before they vote. Don't sit back and think, well, Egberto, that's just one incident. 
that one incident, because it was publicized as it was, means that it likely affected the voting base of many Democrats because they will say, I don't want to take the chance that this district attorney is going to indict me. So I'll just stay home. I so let, yeah. yeah, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second, Daniel. Wait, so yeah. I want to tell you, I want to tell you guys this. So anyone listening to my voice right now, to Daniel's voice right now, remember to tell all your brothers and sisters out there, do not be cowered by or do not cower to what the establishment is doing to you. You go out there and vote. We will have your back. Everybody, you go out there and vote. There is a very active activist community out here that will have your vote. Continue, please, Daniel. That's you're absolutely right. We're we're clearing 120 precinct chairs who've signed on the resolution. There have been several who have been signing on in the past few days. It's continuing to gain momentum and uh, at every single turn. And there are a lot of good people beyond the precinct chairs backing it up. I wanted to also tack on to this. The DA is the gatekeeper for the jails in Harris County. She says she doesn't oversee the jails and it's outside of her purview. That's untrue. Uh, if she weren't putting out BS reports on overcrowding for the jails, if she weren't making false claims to Cambrell Marshall on Click Two Houston about the over about what the overcrowding of the jails right now, then she could be able to slither away from that. But that's not true. There are very real world circumstances to this. Nia Hernandez, who spoke at the press conference before the CEC, her son is in the Harris County Jail, and there's absolutely no reason for him to be there. There was a mental health event that was was taking place. He was arrested during that mental health event. And now he's going to be facing, uh, uh, you know, lo long pressure from the system and then eventually a trial for that. She could just drop the charge and he could return to his mother and that way they could be a family again and they could move on. Instead, they're doing this with our money and our name. They're incarcerating this young man. And that there's a lot more where it came from. We've had, I believe at this point, and don't quote me entirely on this, but you can look it up. I think it's 15 to eight, I think 15 or 18 deaths in the Harris County Jail for people who shouldn't have been there. There's one man who's in the Harris County Jail right now, stage four kidney cancer over a BS charge. And the irony of it is it's related to a firearm that he legally owned. So it's, I mean, this, this is, that it is unconscionable what the district attorney's office is doing. It is unconscionable that they are lying about it and spreading propaganda to try to slither away from their responsibility as related to this direct harm. And that's why it matters whether or not people vote. A lot of times, you know, when we have the vote conversation, it's all about the presidential level. But what about your local district attorney? What about your judges? What about your state board of education member? What about your commissioners? These folks control people's lives. They control your local jails. They control whether or not people eventually are charged with felonies or misdemeanors of which they are actually or are actually not guilty. They control whether or not you're judged by a jury of your peers or by a racist jury. So, I mean, th this is real world harm that is going on. I'm so glad that you called for people to get involved. I'm so glad that you pointed out that we have a growing grassroots army that will have the back of anybody who faces these issues, because that's the whole point is to, to make people's lives better and to achieve justice and equity in this system. Now, let me let me just say that uh, Daniel is with Indivisible Houston which can be reached at indivisiblehouston.org. That, that is one of our centers of democracy. You also know that we have uh, Neil Aquino, who's frequently on this program uh, with the, uh, the Houston Democracy Project as well. What we believe in is democracy. 
democracy for all, not democracy for the connected. Anyway, uh, Daniel, anything to close this segment before I go ahead and tell folks to start calling in? Uh, make sure that you pay attention to the story of the admonishment of the district attorney, Kim Ogg, if you'd like to show up to the CEC, the county executive committee meeting. It's going to be at the UH Student Center on uh, December 12th, I believe at 5.30 or 6 is the starting time. It's an open meeting. You don't have to be a precinct chair to attend. And uh, we're here to be a trans have a transparent, open and, and fair debate. I want the people who are voting against us to make sure that their vote is counted on the floor of the CEC because I want to win this fair and square, just as we did in the resolutions committee and just as we did in the steering committee. So keep an eye on it. You're going to see this story continue, continue to move. And the, the other thing that we want to always ensure, folks, is accountability. As a radio host, I want to be accountable. As a radio host, a media host, I want to be accountable. I want to make sure that whatever I bring on air is fact-based. If at any time somebody thinks or implies that there is something here that needs correction, Daniel will tell you, all would tell you, I am always willing to come on air and elsewhere in blogs and say, I've made a mistake. But the one thing that we don't do is put false information out there. So um, at this point, I'm going to tell folks, if you'd like to discuss this issue, give us a call at 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. I don't think I put that on the screen today. I better go ahead and throw that onto the screen. There we go. 713-526-5738. Give us a call. All lines are currently open. So therefore, give me a call, 713-526-5738. I'm honored to have Daniel from um, the Indivisible Houston, uh, <laughs> Houston with us. Who always, let, me, let, me, let me just tell some of you before we go. Uh, I can, if I need any local information, what's going on politically? Because, you know, a lot of what I do is uh, national politics. And uh, sometimes, uh, uh, as some of you would call me, say, Berta, you better cover some more local stuff. I just have to pick up the phone or pick up my text and say, hey, Daniel, what the hell is this all about? And Daniel is always ready to answer the question. So he's definitely one of my go-to guys. Let's come on in. Johnny. Hey, uh, guys. Great job, as always. Um, in connecting picking up the ball from Arnie Arneson earlier this morning. Uh, he got enough out to remind us about what Anthony Bourdain said not too long ago before he kicked the bucket. Remember his comments about uh, former Secretary of State, uh, what's his face, the war criminal? James Kissinger. <laughs> oh, Kissinger. Kissinger. What a weird name for someone like that, Kissinger. <laughs> Anyway, so we've been hearing a lot about Kissinger lately in the mainstream press. You hear drips and drabs of truth about him. Of course you have to. How, how do you hide something like that? And with a population of 8 billion or so, that's the one thing that doesn't come out. All the times we heard, all the stuff we've heard about Kissinger and we hear about foreign policy, the one thing that doesn't come out is population control. That's the one ugly aspect that we don't like to talk about because it's really disturbing. You feel, I know I felt like uh, cannon fodder when I was growing up during the Vietnam 
uh, war. War. And when you think about the casualty rate, the daily, the monthly, the yearly, it's very comparable, comparable to what we see right now going on in Ukraine and other hotspots around the world. That's the one ugly truth that we don't like to admit, the population control. And it doesn't change the fact that Netanyahu is a war criminal, Bush was a war criminal, got a whole bunch of war criminals around the world, and they don't get held to account. And even in spite of all the out crazy protests here at home and around the world, the United States military leaders and the civilian leaders in the, in the United States, they still made war on Iraq. So what does that tell you? What, what do we need to do? We well, can't you know, let me, Johnny, let me interrupt there because... Johnny, let me interrupt you a second, because uh, first of all, I want to say something to that effect. And, and this hurts me deeply. I sit down and watch the killings all over the world. And the killings that we're seeing now is Gaza and Ukraine, right? But the killings that we don't see on TV are the ones that are not all that sexy all along the Western belt in, in uh, Africa, where there's a whole lot of killings there as well. We don't see that, right? But there's one thing that they share in common. And that is we have leadership that just don't care about the maiming, the killing. And I mean, they look at it antiseptically, right? In other words, we can stay here and justify the decimation of Gaza or the decimation of, uh, of Kiev or, well, not Kiev anymore, but Liev and all these places. And to us, it's antiseptic. I remember during the Iraq war, when... Uh, when they brought it on CNN, that was our first, the first Iraq war, and they brought it on CNN, and it actually looked like a video game, and that's exactly how they spoke about it, like a video game. And I remember looking at my very my my, my wife then and saying, you know what is so sad? That is so pretty, but below that is a whole lot of cracked skull, broken legs, and death. And then in America. We saw none of the pictures, but you know what was shown in the papers in Panama, in the papers in Costa Rica, and all these places? You could see the bones sticking out of the rubble. I mean, my big thing is where is the heart, Johnny? And Johnny, I'm going to have to jump to Mike because uh, we have another call. And we're, we want to see if there's anybody else wanting to talk about the, the issue with uh, what Daniel is talking about. But... It's scary to me that we elect leaders that think so little about humanity. And I think what you'd see progressives trying to do, and I'm talking about real progressives now, not everybody that call themselves a progressive is a progressive. I'm talking about real progressives. What we care about is humanity. Daniel, uh, beforehand, Gene Blackman, Beekman, welcome aboard. And welcome aboard uh, Melanie Keelan as well. Uh, Gina, you're correct. You must vote. Come on in, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. Come on in, uh, Daniel, and then Mike. Mike, uh, stay hot. Come on in, Mike. Uh, Daniel. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with largely with what you said. There's a little bit of a, an, some uplifting news. I thought a very diplomatic resolution was passed by the Texas Democratic Party about moving right. toward, a, toward peace in Gaza. And I thought I thought I thought the wording was extremely thoughtful. It was not equivocating, but it was very empathic that uh, mm -hmm. because there are. There's, there are a lot of people who have different concerns. It's to the point where, honestly, I should send the people who moved that resolution through to the Middle East to talk. I mean, it's really, it was really impressive. I was blown away. Uh, 
thank you for telling me about that. You know, I didn't know that the Democratic Party uh, of Texas actually passed a resolution. You you told me that yesterday. It was like, wow, I am impressed. Anyway, let's go to Mike. Come on in, Mike. Yes, good morning. How are you doing? I am hey, doing um, fine. Talk. I'll yes. put you this way. If everybody would just bother to watch Eisenhower's farewell speech to the nation. Oh, yes. And the to the various industrial complexes. See, irrelevant of all your emotional and social-based arguments, this is the mm-hmm. fact. Okay, and I'm a veteran. I went to Iraq, all that good stuff. I saw the killing. I saw the bones. I saw it all. I walked in the puddles of blood. Uh, yeah. Hey, I walked in it. Okay. I saw the kids blowing themselves up. Like you said, it was like a horrible video game that still bugs me to this day. But mm-hmm. it's just that as long as we allow the Republicans and the Democrats to run their corrupt, various establishment political machines, we're always going to have this corruption because it's simple. Sheila Jackson Lee does not represent the black community. Carol Alvarado does not represent the Hispanic community. All of these people represent special interests. John Whitmire represents special interests. Nothing ever gets done for the people. I mean, look at Houston. It, it, it's supposed to, on the sign, I think it says 3 million people. I think in reality, mm-hmm. when you drive around it, you look, it's more like 8 million people. Okay? Mm-hmm. There's that many people in this city. And people are coming here by the droves every day because this is one of the better economies in the country, you know? And it's a shame that whether you vote uh, Biden or Trump, either way around, the establishment political machine just does not allow true clarification of the truth. You Mike? Know, because, don't forget. M- yeah. Mike, first of all, I want to say that 99% of what you said, I, I can agree with. I also agree, however, that uh, when we are given choices, uh, until what I talk to Daniel about all of the time is that the progressive movement has to grow, and we have to make we we have to make sure. And when we say the progressive movement, we're not talking the establishment Democratic movement or the establishment Republican movement. We're talking about a true progressive movement that cares about everything that you just mentioned. You just spoke about all these other people having to be a part of special interests, and right now. Some of them have to be. I, I've had politicians come to me and tell me, I am completely on your side. But if you want to get some of this, think about what happens if you don't have me who's trying to tiptoe into two fields at the same time. We have to build, uh, Mike, your commentary that you just gave there, it has to metastasize into the minds of everybody that's listening to you so that when it's voting time in the primaries, they can vote the appropriate person in. That's where it happens. When you get, by the end of the time, when you get the Trump-Biden choice, that's all you got. But think about if if we had a primary where we really got the people that we wanted in because we built a sufficiently strong base. And that is what we have to do, Mike. So I am not discounting absolutely anything that you've just said. I'm just saying we have a lot of work to do. And I think you would agree with that. Daniel, come on in and then we'll finish up with Mike. 
Yeah, I, I largely agree with what, what Mike said too. I mean, my, you know, Mike, first of all, thanks for, for advocating. You know, you have a, you have stories that you can tell that a lot of people can't tell firsthand. And I think that they're powerful. And I think that that's important. And you as an anti-war voice is extremely important, or I should say as a pro-peace voice. Um, the other thing I might say though is, you know, look, the executive committees of the Texas State Democratic Party, the precinct chairs, like there are levers that people never, ever touch when it comes to advocacy mm -hmm. and it moves things along. So I would just say, hey, Mike, check if you're if your precinct, your voting precinct, not your commissioner precinct, but your specific precinct where you vote. Uh, it's on your voter registration or you can look it up at the state level through the Texas Secretary of State. Find your precinct. Find out if you have a precinct chair. And if there's no precinct chair, you can actually file and become the precinct chair. If there is a precinct chair, find out if they're good. You can pressure them like any other elected or appointed official, um, but they might be good, in which case you can support them in building power. As a captain. As a captain. As, as a captain and as an activist in your area, depending on what time you have available to you. So I would just say, look, arms are open. Uh, I think that, that this week, you know, the parties don't always have a good track record on standing up for, for what's right. That's that's why people get annoyed with them. I think the local county party, we're trying to do the right thing when it comes to the district attorney and making sure that we're that people are not incarcerated unjustly. And I think um, and that, you know, corruption doesn't occur. And I think that the state party made a step in the right direction recently, too. So I would just just encourage people to look at those levers if you can leverage them, because I know it may not feel like a lot in the face of a, a global machine that, you know, very profitable war industry but uh but i think there are levers there and i just encourage everybody to push them. and I, I want i want to add to that daniel and mike please listen to what daniel said about check if you have a precinct chair in your in your precinct and if not become one if you have the wherewithal to do so if you have the ability it doesn't take a lot of time but somebody with your character uh definitely needs to be a precinct chair or a precinct captain but i, I and what daniel just said i want to expand on daniel said it, you know, we like to think on the national level, et cetera, but all these things begun, begin at the state parties, being as, at, or at the county parties, at the county level, being a, a, a part of the, the precinct chair where you determine what your county is going to do. Then it, the counties make up the states and determine what they're going to do. And all of this matters as far as the kind of government that we can have. What the establishment depends on is us not participating in this issue. I want to give one other caveat. Panama, the place that I'm from, okay? There was a copper mine that employs about 5% of the population. The copper mine also pollutes our great pristine jungles that people go for, you know, for recreation, etc. It pollutes our water. So in the future, this copper mine that has copper, gold, magdalenium, and all these things are going to do a lot of damage. The corporate guys, along with the corrupt government, signed a 20-year lease. The people were out there together as a people. And even though they know they're going to lose a percentage of their jobs, even though they know that they're going to get less into their coffers initially, because there are some plans later on. They forced the Supreme Court of the country of Panama to close the darn mine. People have power if they choose to use it. And Panama, people always think about the third world as dictatorship. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I'm, I spoke a little too much. Look, I'll, no, that's, that's fine. Look, listen, I've been to Panama. I know what you're talking about, okay? So yes. I can tell you this. Look, I'll close... I'll close this whole argument with one very simple comment. Yes. And I want y'all to on this. Okay, we're having a, a, a runoff for the mayor, right? 
Here's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out. When it's all said and done, it looks like only 51% of the voters came out and voted. Okay? Nope, and less. I'm trying to figure out. No, no, no. It less. was only 17%. Okay, how about that? I'm wrong. Okay, so here's what I'm trying to figure out. Tina Jackson Lee is over 30% down in the votes. Yeah. Normally, in any other election, it would be considered a loss. Like she yeah. lost the election by 30%. But yet, we're having a runoff. Not that I like John Whitmire, okay? Because trust me, he's old school Texas okay. dinosaur. Hey, Mike, policy. Mike. Okay, let, let, let me just speed it up here. And he got about 40%. It's because in the law in Texas is you have to get 50 plus one. That's all for our county. But, Mike, I, the phone's just lit up. I got to go with it real quick. But love you. Keep calling in, brother. Love your what you have to offer. Let's go to Josie, line four. Josie, you're on. Good morning. Good morning. I just like to say that we, have to get, that we have to get out and vote. But also, term limits is so important because I think – Though a politician may go into politics for all the right reasons, if you stay too long, sometimes you become jaded, mm-hmm. and sometimes you get in with the wrong folks, and then you have to keep going down that wrong track. I know that with having worked in the southeast end and been somewhat politically active and just removed myself from there, there's a very strong Hispanic machine behind Carol Alvarado, and there always has been, and it hasn't always been good, but the voters on the Southeast end, the majority, you cannot say anything wrong about her. They are so, I think because she's been around for so long that they cannot see any wrong, and I think that's dangerous, and I'm Uh, an old lady. I'm 71. (laughs) I've been around around. Uh, You're not uh, old at all, my time. dear. <laughs> my dear. <clears throat> and I'm a little bit politic- politically active, and I'm a social worker. So I've been in the community working with the people. So um, I hear a lot of things uh, and have in the past. But I just want to say we have to get out and vote. We have to be as informed and educated as possible about the people that we're voting for. In term limits. Thank you. Thank you very much, Josie. Let me just say this. I, I am not for term limits, but I tell you what, I'd like to have that discussion with you. I am for voter participation and, and the, the most important thing that you said, voter education, because an educated voter will keep the people that they need to keep in power in power and remove those that they need to take out of power. But let's talk about that another time. Please keep listening to the show and please keep calling in, Josie. Let's go ahead and go to Harry real quick. Harry, I don't have a lot of time, so please uh, kind of wrap it up quick for me, my dear brother. I'm just going to be brief. I'm just going to be brief. Um, I agree with what Mike said about the voting. You can vote for whoever you want for. You don't have to vote Democrat or Republican. So as Josie said there just a moment ago, make an intelligent vote. And I'll say something quickly about that wicked man, Henry Kissinger. He was for the Iraq war. (laughs) He supported that. And all, and all that killing that happened there, and that wicked man, um, is he? I, I saw I saw a video about eight or nine years that he did eight or nine years ago. They were talking about on NPR all the wickedness that he did as far as Allende, 
being killed in uh, East Timor and Laos, Cambodia. He said it, if he had it to do all over again, he'd do it. He'll do it way. again. And, yeah, I got it. Thank you very much. Harry, thank you very much. And, you know, it, it's sad. That's why I talk about humanity. We need people who believe in humanity. Okay, come yeah. back in, Johnny. Uh, uh, real quick, Johnny. Hey, conservatively speaking, between 33 and 40 percent of the American population would uh, harbor the feeling about social Darwinism, survival of the fittest. And that is why. And this is not just uh, a population all distributed on people who vote Republicans. This is both sides of the aisle. And that's a big reason why, even in spite of massive worldwide protests and domestic protests, our military will make war, did make war in Iraq. We have to do more than just talk with the polls and vote. You have to show up the next day and challenge the mayor, say, hey, we just voted for you. We're watching there you. you go. That's Johnny. Johnny, I, I'm stopping you there. That's the magic. After you've elected them, you have to pressure them. That's what we didn't do with Obama. We elected Obama, expected him to be a savior, and we didn't pressure him as we should. Thank you so kindly, Johnny. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you, I agree with that also. Let's go to Brian. Come on in, Brian. You got a, a minute because I want, I, I want to give a brother Daniel a closer. So come on in, Brian. Yeah, you know the special prosecutor for the Department of Justice, Jack Smith, right? Yes. He, he asked Twitter and suspended suspended, uh, subpoenaed all the records that said Trump. If you followed Trump, mm -hmm. he wanted them. At first, Trump, uh, Twitter said, no, we're not going to do it. He fined them $375,000 a day, I believe. And they finally gave mm -hmm. it up. Now, if you followed Trump, he got your record. If you unfollowed Trump, he got your record. If you retweeted what he said on January 6th, he got your record. Now, is that political or is that a legal system that we have under the First Amendment? All right, I'm going to let Daniel handle that. What are you talking about, man? I mean, I'm trying to be nice here, but when you say, like, he got your records if you retweeted Trump, I don't even know what you're saying to me right yeah. now. Like, that's, that's no, hold on a second. Okay, you had your minute. Look, you show the evidence of people who retweeted Trump having their records seized and give to, given to Jack Smith, because I would be really, really curious to see what you're talking about. Drop those links in the chat, because we're here for it. All right, thank you very much, Brian. Well, i got to give... Uh, the Okay, do that. Do that. Do you drop the link for Daniel? All right, thank you, Brian. All right, uh, Daniel. I, I, uh, the reason I wanted to leave a couple minutes is for you to give us a closer on on uh, the Kimog and not only Kimog but also on what you want to see our voters do, activists having their backs, etc. You got a yeah, minute and thirty seconds. All right. Well, briefly, hey, I want to say this, Josie, social worker, you're holding the society together with two hands, active, politically active social worker. So shout out to you on that. I wanted to make sure to say it. Look, there's a growing grassroots group of precinct chairs, activists uh, and other volunteers who have been working to admonish the district attorney and to hold her accountable. If you do not know your precinct chair, you should call, find out who your precinct chair is and advocate and ask for them to support the resolution to admonish Kim Og at the County Executive Committee on December 12th. You can find that if you go to HarrisDemocrats.com, then you can find out who your precinct chair is and you can call them to make sure to support it. In addition, you can show up on 12-12, that's Tuesday, a week from tomorrow at the UH Student Center at 5.30 or 6 o'clock, and you can be there for the County Executive Committee if you'd like to make sure to be there. You won't, won't be allowed to vote, but you will be allowed to make sure to express your opinion. 
On a separate note, if you want to know how to get involved in politics in Harris County and you want to know what's going on and how you can make a difference, you can plug in with me at indivisiblehouston.org. That's one nation indivisible, indivisible. Houston is in this wonderful city we live in and .org. Uh, and I would love to talk to you about any of this, whether it's related to the resolutions that we're talking about. Uh, I will get you in touch with the right person, no matter what topic you'd like to discuss. Thank you, Danny. Let's go ahead and go to the studio before we come back and close. Hey, my two geniuses. Well, Jack and I were sitting here laughing about Daniel Esky. Asking Brian what he's talking about. We ask we ask that question every time he calls in. What the heck are you talking about, man? All right. Well, we've had our fun for the day. <laughs> you know, I, lo I look, I love Brian, guys. Uh, Y'all leave my brother alone, okay? You know, Go we ahead. don't know why. <laughs> no, I put Brian I put Brian on every time he calls. And you know, I know I know he's far to the right. And uh, I'm going to keep doing that because of the nature of your show, Egberto. Thank you, brother. So, I appreciate that. Anyway, give me a closer, Jack. Come on. I'd like to hear your word, your final words, man. Goodbye. Did I lose Jack? <laughs> okay. No. I, I put him on the spot. <laughs> anyway, look, uh, Daniel, thank you so kindly for being here. You're always an asset to Politics Done Right. Uh, Jack, thank you so kindly for always being there for the show. Thank you so kindly, Howard, for making sure all these things run seamlessly. And, of course, we have our beautiful audience. We have Eric, Gina, uh, 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 whoo, whoo, I scrolled, Alistair Waters, and everybody else. <laughs> the, the, the chat was really full today. Anyway, thank you guys all for being here. We couldn't do this without you. Remember, go out there and vote. We are activists for a reason. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.